Because Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that as we walk with Jesus, each one of us, and as we grow in Christ, and as we let Jesus transform us, we will get to live more vulnerably in this world so that we feel that this is the life that God has for me. That Jesus calls us the abundant life. The gods that the religions of this world offer are not personal. They're not interested in the details of your life. Not Allah, not the gods of Buddhism, or any other belief system. They promise salvation or paradise or nothingness based on what you do or don't do to them. Pastor Daniel will talk about the weaknesses of those religions by contrasting them with Christianity, which says that we can't do enough to please God. So, God came here to put things right. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Most Vulnerable Birth. The story of the birth of Jesus is so profound that no matter how often you think about it, no matter how many Christmases you celebrate, when you really take the time to meditate on what God is up to in the coming of Jesus. It's so powerful. Now, as a church, for the last month or so, for the Advent season, we've been exploring one specific characteristic of God, and it's a characteristic of God that we often don't think about. When you think about God, most often people say, oh, God is all-powerful. In the classical language, it's omnipotent. Or God is all-knowing. God knows everything, or God is always everywhere. God is holy. These are all very real characteristics and attributes of God. But what's interesting is God wants all of us to know him, not just who he is in a general sense, but who he is in very specific characteristics. And the way we know the characteristics of God is when we know his son, Jesus. And when we think about Jesus, what we realize is God is the most vulnerable person who has ever lived. And we don't ever think about God as a vulnerable God. But if you think about what that word vulnerability means, it's literally a quality or a state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed. And everything about the life and the coming of Jesus points us to a God who has chosen vulnerability. And we've been exploring that as a church. We've looked at, of course, we saw Jesus when he was tempted. Now, we've all been tempted. The only difference between us and Jesus is we fail in our temptations often, and Jesus was tempted but didn't fail. We looked at Jesus weeping at the death of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. We looked at Jesus praying and sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion, really grappling with fulfilling the calling that God had in his life. He didn't doubt God. He just knew that it was going to be a tough 24 hours. And 
we don't often think about a God of vulnerability, but I mean, let's just be honest. When you think about a newborn child, is there anything more vulnerable than a newborn child? A child who, on the moment that they're born, are completely exposed to the possibility of being harmed. They're completely dependent on everybody around them. But this is the God of the Bible. You know, our culture loves to, in this cultural moment, loves to talk about vulnerability. A researcher named Brene Brown has written a number of pretty phenomenal books based on research about vulnerability. And one of the things that I realized as we've been exploring this together as a church over the last month or so is that all of us want to live vulnerably and authentically in this world. Now, the problem with the way our culture teaches it is our culture teaches pretty much, you should just be like, well, this is who I am, so everyone just deal with it. And I'm here to tell you, they're already dealing with it, and they're probably not enjoying it as much as you think they are. Because real vulnerability is not just being whoever I want to be or how I want to feel in this moment. You all have to deal with it because that is not life-giving to anybody. Really what God is inviting all of us into, and no matter where you are on your journey of faith, you never feel more alive, you never feel more purposeful than when you are living out authentically and vulnerably who you are. But really... The vulnerability that God has, that Jesus displays, that God is inviting us into, is a vulnerability that exists under the authority of Jesus. Where because of our faith in Jesus, we know who God is and who we are, and then we can move through the world uniquely. You think about all of the struggle that people have about the holidays with their family. Almost always that struggle has some iteration of I'm really not like my family. I'm not what my parents thought I would be, all these different things. But really, if we're living in biblical vulnerability, you're not supposed to be your parents. And parents, your kids are not supposed to be you. They're supposed to be them, but as part of your family. So really, I believe that what God wants to do in all of our lives, and not just for Christmas, I believe it's an invitation from God for us to follow Jesus and be able to walk in the uniqueness that he created each one of us to be. All through your Bible, the people that God used were used uniquely and differently. It's not cookie cutter. Paul and Peter, both apostles used mightily, but Paul went to the Gentiles and Peter went to the Jewish people. You have someone like David who was the great warrior king and his son Solomon was more of the cerebral king. It's fascinating, but each one vulnerably and authentically living out the person that God made them to be. And God uses it. And I believe because Jesus said, whom the son sets free is free indeed, that as we walk with Jesus, each one of us, and as we grow in Christ, and as we let Jesus transform us, we will get to live more vulnerably in this world so that we feel that this is the life that God has for me. That Jesus calls us the abundant life. And if you're here today and you're already a follower of Jesus, most believers I know are not like, this is the abundant life. You believe in it and you're like, where is that found? And I'm here to tell you it's found in Christ and it comes from walking in the steps that God created you for. And we've been exploring this. What does it look like to 
see God as a God of vulnerability? And what does it look like for us to simply respond to this God? Now, I would be remiss as a Bible teacher, as a pastor, if I didn't talk about God in his most vulnerable, the birth of Jesus. So in order to do this, I would love for you to open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to take verses 18 to 25 together. Matthew 1 Verses 18 to 25, Matthew's Gospels, the first book in your New Testament, first of the Gospels. This passage begins this way. In verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." Now, really what we see here is that Jesus' birth had vulnerable circumstances. Listen, any child that's being born, there's vulnerable circumstances. But the story into which we find the birth of Jesus is kind of uniquely vulnerable. You think about how this goes. Now, this kind of blew my mind. And I've been reading the Bible for over 20 years and studying it. But if you look at all four Gospels, there's really two accounts of the birth of Jesus. There's Matthew's account and Luke's account. Mark's Gospel begins with Jesus' earthly ministry, so when he's already like about 30 years old. And then, of course, John's Gospel begins like in eternity past. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. Matthew and Luke tell the details of the birth of Jesus. And if you look at Luke's account, Luke's account gives Mary's experience, Jesus' mother's experience. And I never realized until studying at this time that Matthew's account focuses on the experience of Joseph. We see what Joseph is experiencing. So between Matthew and Luke, you get the telling of the birth of Jesus from Mary's side and Joseph's side. And we see here for Joseph, we learn that Mary and Joseph are married legally, but in that culture it was called being betrothed, which although they were legally married, it'd be like if we signed our marriage certificates when you got engaged, and then you actually got married at a later time, like the ceremony, where you consummate that marriage. So they were legally married, but they had never come together in the full union of what it meant to be a husband and wife, and what they found out was, of course, is that Mary was pregnant, Now, in Jesus' culture, at that time, if a woman was pregnant out of wedlock, she could be subject to capital punishment. And so Joseph, it says that he was a just man. Like, Joseph was good people, and he cared about Mary. But because she was pregnant, he was like, this is a problem. And so he was trying to figure out, how can I break this off but not have Mary get killed because of what happened? And he's trying to work this all out. He's trying to figure out what am I going to do? And literally you get that where it says here that while Joseph thought about all of these things, behold, an angel of the Lord, verse 20, came and talked to Joseph, said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
Try and imagine if you're Joseph, or maybe he was Joey, or if you're Italian, he's Giuseppe, you know what I mean? And he's excited, he's marrying Mary, and it's going to go great. And all of a sudden, Mary's like, hey, uh, hey, Joey, hey, Giuseppe, I'm pregnant. And Joseph was like, like, he knew that they hadn't done anything. He's like, huh? Don't worry, Giuseppe. It's the Holy Spirit's child. What would you say in that moment? <laughs> yeah. What Joseph was thinking, like, <laughs> yeah, it's the Holy Spirit's child. Yeah, we believe that. Is there a paternity test we can take right now? Because that never happened before. No one's believing that. And Joseph was just a normal person. Struggling with it. And you just imagine in this situation how hard this must have been for Joseph. I mean, you see in Luke's account, Mary, the Holy, you know, the angel comes and tells her what's going to happen. And she's like, may it be unto me according to your will, right on. But Joseph wasn't there. They didn't sit down and have like a a council of what they're going to do and should we do this? It was like, this just happened. And Joseph is kind of reeling from it. Now, if you think about this, Out of all of the circumstances that the God who created and sustained everything could be born into, it's so fascinating that Jesus' birth dealt with such problematic circumstances. And I think there's something that we can learn from this because we have a tendency in our culture to believe that if the circumstances are the way that I want them to be, then God's in the middle of that. If the circumstances are working out in such a way that I deem it to be a success or what I'm hoping for, then yes, God is in that. But actually, all through our Bibles and definitely in the life of Jesus, God is actually at work most often in the circumstances that are challenging. Then the circumstances that are not the welcome situation. And I believe that what God wants us to do is rather than looking at our circumstances and saying, that is not ideal, therefore I do not want to be here, this is bad. We need to start looking at them the way the Bible teaches us to look at them, to say, God, you know that this is not my ideal circumstance, but I know that you are working. See, that's the eyes of faith. The eyes of faith say, I don't like this and I don't want this, but God, you want to tell a different story. See, we want to have these miraculous testimonies, but all testimonies begin with a problem. Nobody ever said the situation was perfect, ideal, and everything worked out. No one tells that story. But when you're like, man, everything was lousy. Everything was falling apart. This was not the way my five-year plan was supposed to go. But then something happens. That's where the story is. That's where the testimony is. But all testimonies begin with the test. So what if in... Not only this Christmas season, but in this new year, we stopped only being excited about idealized circumstances. And we started saying, God, in the tough circumstances, I can't wait to see what you're working. But Joseph, he's in a tough spot. He doesn't know what to do. But then this angel shows up. Says, no, no, she's not lying to you. Mary hasn't cheated on you. No. What she told you is the truth. But then the angel continues, continues to go. Because look what it says next in verse 21. It says, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with 
us. See, really what we learn here, of course, and I've said it already, Jesus' birth displays the deep vulnerability of God. I mean, think about it. Out of all the stories in the life of Jesus, Jesus' crucifixion and his birth, his incarnation, shows God in the most tremendous vulnerability. I mean, it's one thing like for you and I, like at one point we were a child, it's our only way into this earth. Like our life is there. But for the God who created and sustained not only us, but all of creation for all of time to enter into the world as a helpless child is almost impossible to fathom. Such vulnerability. And to make things even more Amazing. Notice he says that when this child comes, I want you to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus in the Hebrew would be Yahshua, which literally means God who is our salvation. So in his birth, the angel's already like, and we want you to call him Jesus because he's going to save people from sins. Speaking of his crucifixion, and then says, and this is what fulfills a beautiful prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, my friends, not only does the birth of Jesus show God's vulnerability, but God is so vulnerable that God is saying, I want to be with you. See, so often when we think about God, we think about God as distant. Like our culture, if our culture were to say that there is a God, they almost want us to think of God as like an absentee landlord. God created everything, and then God is absent, and you just have to work it all out, right? But really, the Bible teaches a very different God, a God who is God with us. It's really a descriptive name. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now here's the big question for each one of us. Do you believe that God is with you right here, right now? Because I'm here to tell you, your Bible tells you that he is. Now, whether you believe in God or not, I'm here to tell you, God is with you right now. Like when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, it's not like they give their their life to Jesus and then God's like, hey, so what have you been up to for the last 78 years? Or I didn't know that you existed until you said yes to me. So like, what have you been doing for the last 20 years? I mean, like, like, what have you been doing? No, when we turn our hearts to Christ, God knows everything about us. Even though if we don't believe in him, in him we live and move and have our being. So God has chosen to be with each one of us, no matter how treacherous or challenging, how beautiful or how victorious life has been. Our God is a God who does not want to be at a distance, but has decided to be, oh, so close to each one of us. And I'm here to tell you, God is with you. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to say, God is with, and then I want you to say your name out loud. Everyone got it? Everyone knows their name, right? If not, I'll just make up a name for you. Ready? God is with... Yeah. I want you to do it again. God is with... 
Now, I know that there are some of you right now who are like, well, okay, so Fusco, that's all great, and it's Christmas, but like, God is with the church people. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how far away I feel. And I'm here to tell you, our Bible does not say God is with the good church people only. It does not say God is only with the people who don't struggle with addiction. God is only with the people who have it all together. It never says that. Actually, if you read your Bible, God is often choosing the most, like the last person you'd pick. But God is there. And what we have to learn every single day is that if God is always with us, what we lack is the awareness of his presence. Now, here's what I tell you. God is with everybody because God creates and sustains everybody. But God isn't interested in just being with us. He wants to be in us. God desires not just to be, I know everything about you, but he wants to take up residence in each one of our lives through his Holy Spirit. And that happens when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. God goes from being with us to being in us and working through us. And really, that's where God's vulnerability, if you want to take God's vulnerability all the way to the most absurd end, that God is not only willing to be with us, but he's willing to be in and work through us. The Apostle Paul says, you know, we hold these treasures in earthen vessels. It's so crazy. He's like, the treasures of heaven indwell normal, average people. People who failed a chemistry exam, people who got laid off from their jobs, people who spent a little time in the pokey, people who have gambling addictions. You just go down the list and insert anything you want. God indwells those kind of people, people like us. But listen to it. This is how the Apostle Paul spoke about this to the church in Corinth. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, where it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. This is God's grace, that God is rich, but yet for us, Jesus became poor. And it's like his poverty, becoming a human, taking on human skin. Joseph and Mary weren't well off. Jesus was fasting for 40 days. I don't know if you've ever fasted for four hours, but it's not fun. Four days, exceedingly hard. I just watched a documentary with uh, Thor, you know, Chris Hemsworth, where he fasted for three days. It was on the Disney Channel. And he was like literally coming undone. And I'm like, yeah, Jesus did that like times 10 plus 10 more days. And I was just like, man. So Jesus became poor so that we might know him and that we might partake of the riches of heaven. So we see that the birth of Jesus is all about God's vulnerability. Jesus is real. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah described the Messiah as being God with us. This was a foreign concept for the Jews because God was in the Holy of Holies, separated from all Jews except one all the time. Pastor Daniel reminded you today that God has not only come to us in the form of Jesus, but can live inside of us all the time through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What a comfort that is. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVE to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Well, this wraps up Pastor Daniel's series, Vulnerable God. This has certainly been a different approach to looking at God and Jesus, hasn't it? The idea of God being some old man sitting on his throne uninterested in what happens in your life just isn't supported by the Bible. Pastor Daniel showed that Jesus came down and experienced all of the things that you have to go through. He understands your life. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.